When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. You know, look, Dallas is f- I mean, let's face it, right? Yeah. I mean, where are they going? Cooper Rush? You know, this isn't a 1-800 number you can call to get a quarterback. Like, okay, yeah, I got a blue-chip quarterback sitting over here. Just bring him on in. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. Michael, overreaction Monday oh, is man. here, and we got a lot to get to after the first Sunday of the NFL season. I don't think we're going to overreact. I, I think there's a lot to react to. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, go down the list. Uh, you know, uh, there's so many games that, that were just sometimes you were wondering, like, what are we doing? Uh, there were so many games that you were sitting there when you handicapped them. You're like, okay, that makes sense. But uh, it's just so good to have football back. Mm-hmm. It's great to see all the games come down to the fourth quarter as close as it is. I got a question I for you before we start. Yeah, let's do it. I don't understand how... Everybody doesn't want to take the three points, yet all these games are decided by three points or four points or less. Like, why do you turn down points? It's getting greedy. Got to get that touchdown instead of a field goal. And that's kind of where the coaches are making these decisions now. It's the the new age way of doing stuff, but it can put you in a bind if, if it doesn't go well. No doubt. No doubt. It puts you to bide. I mean, early in the game, I'm watching Baltimore play the Jets, and I mean, fourth and one at midfield, and, you know, Baltimore, unless you give the Jets field position, I didn't think they were going to score, and John Harbaugh has his offense out there, and then he brings it back. I think he called a timeout and brought it back, so, you know, I I think sometimes you have to consider the situation, and I thought yesterday was a perfect example of first quarter first quarter evaluate the game plan, second and third, make adjustments, fourth quarter, standalone game. And that's where we should start this pod, Femi, with your Dallas Cowboys because your boy Kellen Moore sitting in his basement in Des Moines, you know, playing Madden with his game sheet, has a beautiful first drive of the game like he always does. And then when we get to the adjustment phase – he disappears. It's he's mom, the meatloaf, mom, meatloaf. You know, he's got to go outside. He's got to go eat. He can't find Kellen Moore. It, it was bad, and I'm not even mad about it, Michael, because I expected it. And as always, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. You can tweet at us at MLombardiNFL, at Family Bebfe is where you can find me. Our producer, Stephen Bond, with us as well on the ones and twos. But you mentioned the Dallas Cowboys, and I talked about it all offseason. They're missing some offensive linemen. They're missing wide receivers. The offense is going to struggle. I was not stunned to see only three points on the board late into the third quarter there, and then the whole thing gets off the rails in the fourth quarter. But it's just... It's it's what I expected, so they can't hurt me, Michael. <laughs> they they can't hurt yeah. me because I knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, did you know? I think the Cowboys are the classic example of over evaluating their own team. They don't evaluate their team correctly, and yep. and you know now we're going to find out now with Dak br- breaking his thumb. I mean, 
I don't know how long that's going to be. You know, I mean, I any injury to a quarterback's throwing hand, especially his thumbs, got me worried. Right. Yeah. And even when he played, you know, he was played. He had he had a 15 incomplete passes. He only had 14 completed passes. Couldn't get the ball down the field. Other than the first drive, what did they do? You know, and we talk about all these weapons they have. And yes, I know they have young receivers, but you know, again, he's got 11 targets to C.D. Lamb, and he only has two completions. Like, like, what are we doing here? You know, I know Kellen Moore probably will become a head coach next year because he should. You know, he's going to be in that David Ogilvy. He's a media darling, and everybody can't wait to talk about him. But the reality of it is, 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 is a difference between calling plays and winning a game and finding a way to win the game. And I don't think he's ever solved that riddle. I've been saying it for two years. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just not a good situation down there in Dallas based on what they had on the offensive line. When the Tyron Smith injury happened a few weeks ago, that's when I knew this team was really in trouble. I was already kind of lukewarm on the Cowboys because of the situation at wide receiver and knowing that Dak Prescott, like we talked about in our last episode, when we're doing the red chips and blue chips for the quarterbacks, and I ask you, can Dak elevate to that blue chip status? And we both agreed that we don't think he can because he's not that kind of a quarterback. He's a very good quarterback when the situation around him is very good, but the situation has deteriorated over the offseason to the Joneses' uh, fault of trading Amari Cooper and releasing Lyle Collins to where now this is a situation where the team is just not as good as it has been over the last handful of years, and now Dak is really going to have to carry the rest of the guys, and through three quarters, he didn't look like he was up for the task, and then the injury happens, and now six to eight weeks, he's out, it's going to be a really, really bad scenario for this Cowboys team. But, Michael, here's what Jerry Jones, the owner, the president, the general manager of the Dallas Cowboys, had to say after the game about the Dak Prescott injury. Yes, he has an injury above his joint and his thumb up here. That needs surgery. I'm particularly disappointed for our fans. Uh, Dak will be out for a little while. And so uh, uh, we'll be dealing with that as well. So, uh this was a, a really tough night for the Cowboys, but uh, and and a really uh, a surprising guy. But uh, uh, of course, really add to it right there at the end to uh, lose him for several weeks. We'll see more about how long, how many weeks that may be. What was surprising about this? Like you said, it's like we didn't second guess this. We first guessed this, like you said on the podcast. Yeah. There was absolutely nothing surprising about Dallas's offense struggling when they had the issues on the offensive line. I mean, let's start with just the coordinator. You know, like I talk about in my in my breakdowns every week, you know, when you go to my coordinator page here and, and I look at the coordinators and I see Todd Bowles versus Kellen Moore. Now, the media loves it. You know, I'm sure NBC loves it. They love Kellen Moore. They can't wait to talk about how great he is. And the reality of it is, is like, seriously, that was a mismatch. You know, when, when we saw it last year, it San Francisco came into town and kicked his butt. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't understand it. Uh, all these people that have that cowboy under ticket, you know, they're sitting over there. They're, they're happier in hell right now, <laughs> yeah. you know, because they know. I mean, there's no way they're getting to 10. How are they going to get to 10? And, and the underlying story last night, too, was – I don't think the, the, the Bucks didn't play their A game by far. No. We're not good in the red zone. Yet the Bucks ran 152 yards in the game. You know, this offensive line that was supposed to be so disastrous for the Bucks, you know, it ended up getting worse because they had to put Wells in for for the left tackle. But still Brady was, you know, Brady only had nine incomplete passes for the game. You know, he did what he had to do. He took, you know, made plays down the field, made some great throws. Julio actually got involved and you know, I mean, it was it kind of walked. It was the score at, at what, 19 to three. I don't think it was indicative of how close the game was. 
No, it was an absolute blowout. It, it was an absolute blowout at no point during this game. Once it got to nine to three, 12 to three, I was like, there's Cowboys aren't winning. They, they just, they can't do enough offensively to win the game. They never got into the red zone. They never got it. Yeah. They, they never, never got it. <laughs> it was bad. It was terrible. And then, oh, oh, by the way, we forgot. You know, what do we talk about all the time? You're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. Guess how many penalties the Cowboys had? Yeah. That's, uh, it was double not, digit. Double another digit. Ten, yeah, ten, another 10. 10 yeah. for 73. So if you didn't fix it last year, you didn't fix it all through last year. You had an offseason, and now you didn't fix it again. Who's that on? Like, who is that on? You know, you got to find a way to solve that problem. I think that's, you know, that shows up. That shows up again. Like, to me, that's all about, you know, what are we doing here? How are we practicing? Look, and, and now, do you think Don Fanucci's coming back? You know, uh, who, you know who Don ben, Fanucci is? I, the Ben, whatever, I can't yeah, pronounce his ben last Danucci. name. Yeah, Ben Danucci. I call him Don Fanucci, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, he's a family friend of the McCarthy's, so I would guess if they're going to pick up a, a QB, too, it'd probably be Ben Danucci there. Yeah, I mean, look, all this not they're not trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. Jerry no, Jones isn't going to do that. They're not going to do that. No. Not, where, where else are they going to go to get a quarterback? They, you know, I mean, like they're going to have to they're going to have to bring in somebody who knows the system. Mm-hmm. And Cooper Rush is he going to stay? I mean, you went to practice every day knowing Cooper Rush was your backup, right? Now, yeah. last year they had that two years ago was it or last year was Andy Dalton, wasn't it? Two years ago was Andy Dalton. Two years ago they signed they put all that money into Andy Dalton. That didn't work out for him either. Cooper Rush, he won them a game against the Minnesota Vikings last year, but I would not be expecting something like that this year, given that the weapons have worsened for the Cowboys in 2022. 3.8 yards per play for Dallas, just an ugly performance overall. I thought there were some flashes on defense that were pretty good. Michael Parsons is still a hell of a player. Ezekiel Elliott, I thought, actually looked pretty good as well. He looked a little bit more spry now that he's healthy, but the rest of the whole situation was bad. But they only gave him, was they bad. Didn't give him the ball. I mean, they gave, I mean, the guy had the guy had 10 carries in the game, and it's a close game. He's got 10 carries in the game. And again, you know, Pollard has six carries in the game, you know, and then we don't even get – we had Pollard had two catches for 14 yards. Like, at what point in this offseason did you not know we have to get Pollard the ball more? We've got to get Zeke and, El- and Pollard on the field at the same time. You know, at what point is that? You know, I mean, Schultz had – Schultz was the leading receiver with seven, but – he, Schultz is not going to beat you. 14 yards nope. was his longest play. The longest play of the game was 22 yards by Noah Brown. How's that, how are you going to score if you don't make an explosive play? That's what we said earlier this offseason, Michael. Kellen Moore does not know how to get his best playmakers the football. The defense is fine giving up Dalton Schultz eight-yard catches at a pop. They're not worried about that. CeeDee Lamb, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, those are your best playmakers on this offense, and he failed to get them the football. And that's an indictment of the play caller, and it's an indictment of the head coach who is allowing all of this to take place, and he might be no, looking for no, a job I disagree. I, I disagree. You can't blame Mike McCarthy for this. Mike McCarthy is sit there. I don't know why he has a game sheet in his goddamn hands, but no, you know that, this is Jerry. You've got to blame this on Jerry. Jerry wants Kellen Moore to run the offense. So McCarthy takes the job and sits back and watches somebody else do what, he do, what he's done. You know, this is going to be another repeat of like, okay, when you when you come back after I get fired, what did I do wrong? Well, I, I didn't, I wasn't who I wanted to be. I couldn't run the offense. Yeah, no, I mean that's why I I don't even think about Jerry because I know he's never going to go anywhere, which is probably the biggest problem and why the Cowboys haven't had major playoff success since 1995 because he's not going to fire himself. So this is just going to be a reoccurring thing. You can change the coaches, but until 
the actual fundamental structure of the organization changes, we're not going to really see any good results for the Dallas Cowboys. Michael, we saw some wacky results in the witching hour in the NFL. Just taking a step back here. That Sunday afternoon time slot from like around 1230 West Coast time to about 130. It was absurd. And the biggest headline of the whole thing was the kickers. My goodness. We had 10 missed field goals or extra points in the fourth quarter yesterday alone. It's not a record, but it was still quite a bit. And it led to some pretty insane results. Right, so there were two two kicks outside of 50 that were missed. There were four outside of 40 that were missed. And there were two out in between the 30 and the 39 that were missed. You know, and so, look, we could we talked about it as I wrote about it on vcin.com. Special teams are going to determine a lot of these games. You know, they're going to determine it. it it's going to come down to that. And when you look at it, when you go through it, Pittsburgh Cincy, kicker. Carolina, Carolina, I mean, Carolina, uh, Cleveland, kicker. Indy Houston, kicker. Giants, Tennessee kicker, New Orleans, Atlanta kicker. I mean, those games come all down to the final wire. And, you know, we could say, well, all the analytical people will tell you, well, the difference between a good kicker and a bad kicker is one kick. Yeah, well, here we are. You Here we are. You know, and that's why <laughs> applaud the Browns for drafting that kid out of LSU. I mean, that kick would have been good from 70. You know, that game was an interesting game in the sense that the Carol Panthers got a bad, bad call which is something we should talk about later on the show, is these, these inten- inintentional hits on quarterbacks are getting called for personal fouls, which is really un- uncalled for. They got a horrible personal foul call on them, moved the ball 15 yards, and then they didn't call grounding on Bursette because he pumped the ball, and then he moved out of the pocket, and he, and he didn't move out of the pocket, and he threw it in the ground again. That's grounding, right? They let him get away with it. But even if they would have moved the ball back 10 yards, that kid would have made the kick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was, you said he's good from 65, 68. <laughs> he had a nice little drop. I think he would have been good there. from 70. I mean, that thing looked like a, that thing looked like a Roy McElroy, uh, a, a nine iron, the way it came in there. And then it just hooked right back through the goalpost. I mean, holy shit. It was a hell of a kick. It was a hell of a kick. Kudos to Cade York, the rookie out of LSU. The Browns, they even tweeted out, said, yeah, that's why we drafted a kicker to win a game like that. So the Browns, they're the ones that win the the Baker Bowl as Mayfield fails to get revenge there against his former team. But the Titans game, Randy Bullock missing that field goal, 47-yarder. I thought that the Titans were in good shape because I actually, I don't know, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I actually disagreed with what Brian Dayball did going for two at that situation just because of the amount of time left on the clock. Usually, I would like to go for two in that situation if it was 30 seconds or less, knowing that the other team, if you do convert that two-point conversion, is going to be a lot more aggressive in getting into field goal range. And that's what we saw from the Tennessee Titans. They very easily could have lost that game if Randy Bullock knew how to make that 47-yard field goal. I actually disagreed. Even though it worked out for Dayball, I disagreed with what he did there with 103 on the clock going for the lead. You know, but I, I didn't because here's why. I think to me, he knew he knows watching the game, they were going to move the ball and get into field goal range, right? I think if mm-hmm. it was 20, say they kicks the extra point, it's 20 to 20. He's going to lose. He's not getting that game into overtime, right? I don't think he thinks he's getting that game into overtime. And if he gets it into overtime, does he really think he can win it? So, you know, he had a good play on tap. I, I'm actually usually conservative in that. I thought mm-hmm. it was a good call. I thought it was because I think he saw his defense on the field. I don't think he felt like, okay, I really got control of this, you know, and and he got and he was able to get the ball and he succeeded at it, you know, and and still, I mean, Tennessee had how many timeouts? They had they had a bunch of they had two timeouts left two going left. into that final drive of the game. 
So you got two timeouts. You get the ball with one. T- we get the ball with one oh oh six to go in the game. You know, and you got Bullock. I think where Tennessee screwed up is when Tennessee got the ball down and and they and they got the ball down into when they threw the ball to Phillips and they gained like twenty seven yards. Phillips ran out of bounds, and then Tennessee had to call timeout again. You remember that? Yep. Which it, and it Which hurt was what they a could killer. Do. Yeah. Right, because once again, I'll keep saying this over and over. The object isn't to get into field goal range at that point. The object is to get into makeable field goal range. And I think, you know, I know these 40-yard kicks are kind of makeable, and they should be, but still, 47 is a hard kick. It's a hard kick, and I wasn't there to feel the weather or all that, but I think they should have gotten a little bit aggressive at that point. if, If you don't burn that timeout, you still have two timeouts. You still, and I know you don't want to give up a sack there, but you got a veteran quarterback. You get it. You say, "Hey, look, we're just going to throw this thing away. We got to be smart." That's situational football. I thought they lost the game after the big play to Phillips for twenty-seven yards, or twenty-one yards, or whatever the hell it was. Twenty-one yards. I think that's where they kind of, to me, that's where they messed it up. And and I think to you know that that as they go back, as Rabel goes back, I think he needs to be a little bit more aggressive in that situation because, look, you know. And it's funny, Fem. Mm-hmm. You know, both the Giants and the Bears scored all their points in the second half. And when you look at the stat sheet, you say, "Wow, Daniel Jones's numbers weren't too bad, right?" Oh, he was. I mean, he was trying to lose the game for him. <laughs> I mean, he was trying like hell to lose the game for him. There's no doubt about that. That's why the you know his quarterback rating is a 115. I think it's a joke that it's a one because he had two touchdown passes. What? How many yards were they? I thought the story of the game was the Saquon Barkley. 100%. The guy averaged 9-1 a catch. 9-1 a rush. 100%. Barkley is back. And it's fun to see him back because he's a dynamic athlete. But Daniel Jones, to your point, he was trying to throw – he threw an interception in the end zone when they were down by oh seven. Like, get, get this guy out of here. I don't know what the Giants are going to do at quarterback in the future, but it's definitely not Daniel Jones because he's I thought he's he was going to get benched on that. I thought he might. I, when Dayball went over to him and the TV cameras went there and Dayball was like giving him shit, I thought Dayball was like, I, I've had enough of this guy. Now, you know, here's what happens all the time is, is, you know, the great Jackson Brown line that says, you know, we forget about the, we forget about the losses and we exaggerate the wins. Well, really, Mondays exaggerate the win day. Like, the Giants should have lost the game if the kicker makes the kick and Daniel Jones mm-hmm. would have been in the doghouse even more. But, you know, now we're going to exaggerate the win a little bit here. Kudos to the Giants. Great win. You know, I, I, I really felt like all week long that Tennessee was a kind of team that was never going to be able to get away from them. But then when it was 13 to nothing, I'm like, are the Giants ever going to move the ball? And then Barkley makes a 60-yard, 8-yard run, and then he has a big pass play. I mean, if it's not Barkley, you know, Barkley's got, what, almost 200 total yards in the game if it's not for him. He's such an awesome player. Saquon Barkley, and I'm so happy to see that he's healthy because he had a great rookie season, wins rookie of the year, and he's been banged up ever since there. But he is a dynamic player, and that's why they drafted him high. Although a lot of people disagree with drafting a running back that high. I do as well, but you can tell you can tell why somebody would get uh, enamored with that sort of talent because he is terrific. And just to wrap up the point on Daniel Jones, his passer rating was 115.9, but his QBR, which factors in rushing and factors in game situation, 25.8 on a scale of 0 to 100. We know yeah, what the, no, we know what the I, real I facts look, are. I, he was bad. He I, I looked at the QBR, and, and, I, and I, but I look at the guy test too, you know, like like we'll talk about it later, but they're, you know, the Lance Fields game. I mean, you know, that that I don't care what their QBR was. I don't care neither of them played any good. You know what I'm saying? So, neither of them were a winning quarterback, but more than anything, yesterday I thought 
it really was about what team lost, not what team won. You could go through the list. Like, let's take New England and Miami. Yeah, I mean, we got Miami, hot team, you know, Waddle, great play, catches the fourth and seven, you know, good call, good play. Hey, kudos to McDaniel. But New England, once again, lost the game when they play Miami. They turn the ball over every time they play Miami. Credit to Miami's defense. You know, they, you know, they moved the ball. I think they had eight drives. They fumbled three times out of eight drives. I mean, you can't turn the ball over when you're on the road like that. So even though it's a 20-7 to game, what did Miami get? They got, I think they got 13 points out of their defense yesterday. I mean, Miami's defense won that game, clearly won the game, and, and you know, it's because of their ability to create the turnover. Same thing with the Bears. The Bears beat the 49ers, not, not because of anything other than the 49ers lost the game. We'll get into all those games in that morning slate and the afternoon slate as well. But we got to take one quick break here, Michael. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. All right. Anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So... As a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. Michael, you talked about this 49ers and Bears game. Chicago gets the upset victory 19-10. to All 19 of their points scored in the second half. But I want to play you a clip of head coach Kyle Shanahan, who was not too happy with the 49ers' miscues as it pertains to penalties. It's tough, it's tough to win when you do that stuff. Um, you know, I thought... Um and we always talk about doing right longer, and I think today was the exact opposite of that. Um, I mean, just look at the amount of penalties we had compared to them, uh, the turnovers compared to them, um, and then the timing of those penalties were crucial. Um, two big third downs um, where we had them off the field, um, had two stupid penalties that let them keep going that led to 14 points. Uh, thought we had one on offense on third down where we moved the chains and got a penalty there that didn't count, so I'm real disappointed in those. 12 penalties for 99 yards for the 49ers. Two turnovers as well, like Shanahan mentioned. That simply can't happen. No. No, I mean, look, and they were personal foul penalties. Greenlaw had two of them, you know, and and some of them are nitpicking too. I mean, field slides and Greenlaw comes over the top and they throw the flag. I mean, this is a little bit of what I was talking about the last block. Sometimes, you know, these quarterbacks are getting, like, you can't even touch them when they slide. And, you know, you're in the, you know, what, I don't even know what they want the guy to do when, when the quarterback slides, 
What are you supposed to do? So, But this was a sloppy game by the 49ers. There was some good plays in the game for Trey Lance, but at the end of the day, when you watch Trey Lance try to operate this offense, he stares down the receivers. He's not very comfortable in any process. You know, his accuracy is very, very inconsistent. You know, he misses a wide-open touchdown early in the game. You know, the last two throws of the game on third and fourth down, he's not even close to making the throw. You know, and so Kyle tried to run him as much as he could, try to keep him out of it. But I think his confidence is going to be affected because, you know, you can deflect this and say this was on penalties, but this game shouldn't have been close. I mean, the Niners were by far the better team on tape. They were by far, but they 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 couldn't do anything. Justin Fields, I thought, was terrible in the game. He has eight completions in the game. And two of the big completions are, you know, one's on a loose play where he scrambles and gets out of the way. And then the other one was on a full, you know, he kind of, the coverage was just blown by the 49ers. They had the crosser wide open and they had the sail route wide open. Either one he could have thrown. So if I'm a Bears fan, great win. Awesome. Nice job, right? We gained 204 yards. I thought Justin Fields was terrible. Like, I'm concerned moving forward with Justin Fields. Not accurate. Didn't process well. All the plays that he makes are when he can move around. But Give them credit. Three penalties. That's all they had in the game. You know, they didn't turn the ball over, didn't make mistakes, and they win. Sometimes it comes down to that, just not making mistakes and letting the other team shoot themselves in the foot there. The Niners, they average 4.9 yards per play. The Bears, to your point, averaged 3.6, only 204 yards of total offense for the Chicago Bears, and they're somehow able to get this 19-10 to victory here. Trey Lance, you mentioned him. This, to me... It didn't look good, but I also don't want to panic because this is only his third start. He just needs to play football. He hasn't played football consistently for about three years. There's going to be growing pains, and at times it's going to look horrific. But he, he's got to be out there. I mean, why? Why you got to put him out there? I mean, you, you went drafted to the Super Bowl him. with the other guy. I mean, well, you're seven and – Kyle, I think the way – Kyle's 38 and 43 as a head coach in the regular season. 31 of those wins came with Jimmy Garoppolo. So he's 7-29 and 29 as a head coach when he doesn't play Garoppolo. Like, you're going to lose the confidence of the team. We can all masquerade this, but the defense is playing a doubleheader out there. You know, and you're running the ball. They must have run, run more jet sweeps than ever, right? Yes. I mean, they're, they're running jet sweeps. I mean, they ran the ball effectively, but they couldn't make a play when it mattered. And, and I don't really, you know, like some of the throws he made in the game, Kyle gave them to him. The guys were wide-ass open. Even when they were wide-ass open, he couldn't make the throw. Look, I'm not saying get rid of Lance. I'm just saying if you want to keep going this way and you keep losing games, look, there's a reason the book, that this 49er team is really talented, and they can go a long way, but they're not going to go a long way unless they improve the quarterback position. I mean, he stares down the receiver. You know, the, the third down in the game when they're behind, Chicago plays one robber. They bring Eddie, they bring Eddie Robinson down, or the, the safety. They bring him down, and he, all he's doing is staring at Lance's eyes, and Lance just throws the pick right to him. He just takes him right to the football. And, and that's all they did. And the Chicago defense is built on reading the quarterback's eyes, read his shoulders, run to the ball. And, and Lance doesn't play with any rhythm. He doesn't play with any sense of confidence or experience. And when the rush starts to get around him, it's over. You can tell that he was not comfortable at any point during that game there. But I just think that they made the bet on Trey Lance in April of 2021. So by hook or crook, this is the situation that they've put themselves yeah, in. There's a thing called sunk cost fallacy. 
you know, and, and what you, you're you're playing into that. Since we did it, we got to keep going. But at some point, I would say Buffalo Wild Wings timeout here. Like we got to call a timeout. <laughs> like like that's it, right? We're going to call a timeout. Maybe next year's Lance's year. But, but you, right now, it ain't his year right now. Can you keep waiting, though? Because it, it, this, that's another losing? year. You're going to lose the – Femi, you're going to lose the locker room. What are you going to do? You know, you know, Kyle's going to blame it on the penalties. Okay, that gets you through week one. You lose another game? Let me tell you something. You put Lance's on tape now. These defensive coordinators are too freaking smart. They see the same thing I see. Hey, he's throwing to the guy he reads. You know, unless, unless we give him a play wide open off a of play action – when that game, when they got behind 19 to 13 and it became a pass game, watch that tape from that point forward. Watch that game. That's when you have to evaluate the quarterback. When it became, I got to throw it, can you? Can I throw it? And he couldn't. It's going to be a weekly thing with Trey Lance and this 49ers offense. And to your point, if they, how, if they get off the how, rails, it could get bad. How about the people that bet Trey Lance for MVP? Like, seriously. I think can those tickets I send are dead. You can I send you St. Jude's number, please? Uh, they call me. St. Jude's calls me at least once a week, you know, for a donation. Can I send you those people that number? And can I send the people that were recommending that? that can I send them some, some you know, like, seriously, where did you come up with that idea? As you said, this guy hasn't played enough, and now you he think he's going to go from not playing to the MVP of the National Football League? You got no respect for the NFL when you make that statement. Yeah, he simply has not played there. But I want to move on to another game here, Michael. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals, we talked about it a little bit in the kicking game, and boy, were the kickers out in that situation with the operation in Cincinnati there. The snapper was just all over the place. The Steelers, they even missed a kick toward the end of regulation, but they get the upset victory 23-20 to over the defending AFC champions. And when you look at the box score, Cincinnati outplayed Pittsburgh, but like every single NFL game comes down to, the turnover margin is what dictated this one. Five turnovers, Michael, for the Cincinnati Bengals, four Joe Burrow interceptions, as it was a disaster from the start, starting with that pick six by Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, look, the, you know, he's got the guy in there. He's throwing it, what, 50-some times? What do you have, 53 attempts in a game? You know, I, 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 this is as much on Zach Taylor as anybody. He was horrific. Like it is, I mean, Zach Taylor at some point. Zach, can I tell you a secret? Z- Joe Mixon's your best player. Okay, he's one of your best players on offense. When you take him off the field to put Sammy Perrine out there, the defense is clapping. They're giving you a standing ovation. Like, I get it, you can't wear Mixon out. But on critical conversion downs, you got a lesser player on the field than Mixon. How does that make any sense at all? How does that make any sense at all? Like, that's coaching malpractice. Well, he's our nickel group. We got to go with our nickel group. Oh, we got to go our nickel group. Nickel on the field. You just lost a fucking Super Bowl because you put your nickel field on the field. Right, and you're so you're so unaware that you do it again the next year. Like, are you kidding me? I would have come in and I would have said, "Hey, if I'm Mike Brown, I would have said, hey, let me just put this really clear: Joe Mixon is our nickel running back. He's also our first and second down running back. Now we're going to need to rest him and get some, but just so we're aware, Joe Mixon's on the field on conversion downs. That, that's the end of the story. And then, like again, like he did in the, he has no awareness of the game, the clock. He's snapping the ball with 15 seconds left to go in the game. That was absolutely <laughs> terrible. Because <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't understand how to manage a game. He knows how to call plays. He knows how to design an offense. He has no idea how to manage a game. If he could have, if, if they would have flown Bill Parcells into the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, the, the Bengals would have been Super Bowl champs last year. 
Just fly him in in the fourth quarter, put his big ass on the sideline, and let him manage the game in the fourth quarter. You know, that, 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 you, there's something you could think about. You know, Steve Bashotti made all that money for – he made his billions and billions of dollars for replacing – having the uh, hedge fund – not a hedge fund. It, it's like employment, like high-level employment replacements. Like if you lose a nuclear surgeon and you're a hospital, he had one that he could put in there, right? Yeah, he's a headhunter. Right, headhunter put him. I got, but but it was an elite headhunter group. Like it was elite, like a specialization. Like that's what you should have. You know, a staple of these older coaches that are just out there, and in the fourth quarter they fly in, come in, take over the game, and f- win the game for you. That's what should happen. I couldn't believe that. I, and w- one of our listeners, Tim Rose, and shout out to him. He tagged both of us in in this tweet about that situation. And I I was in the midst of watching all these games at once, so I didn't really catch it initially. But I went back and watched it with the NFL Plus package, and I was just my jaw was on the floor. Like, why did he punt the ball when he could have ran off twenty more seconds? But that's just. Did they say anything on TV about it? Did they? Ma- I didn't listen. I had the sound off on the game, so didn't, I didn't even listen. I didn't watch Scott Hansen. I had the Direct TV Andrew Siciliano on a Red Zone on one channel, but I had the sound off, so I didn't even watch it. Did they say anything? They didn't say anything. They didn't say anything. They just of course, they punt, why would they? They just said they punt the ball into the end zone for a touchback. Pittsburgh takes over. They didn't say anything. Why, like, I, I mean, why would they? Why would we want to educate the fans on game management? I mean, why would we want to do that? Like, seriously. Because like, gotta, what we, benefit <laughs> would that do to the fans? Like, why would we want to do that? That would be – we might piss somebody <laughs> off at, in Cincinnati. But, and then if we got to talk to Zach Taylor, you know, he might get mad at us if we say something wrong. I mean, come on. I mean, that's what you get paid to do. I mean, the Steelers did exactly what we said. Patrick and I had on, on Sunday – we were. I loved the Steelers. I liked them at six mm-hmm. and a half. I loved them at seven and a half with the line closed. Right. Yep. I mean, like, I'm betting Mike Tomlin there. I'm betting Mike Tomlin against goddamn Zach Taylor. Even if you would have flipped coaches, what do you oh, think the score would have been? Thirty-seven to thirteen. <laughs> Zach wasn't going to get thirteen with Trubisky. I can tell you that. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point because they had thirteen first downs. To the Bengals, 32 first downs, and they still found a way to lose the game. But the big story after that game, though, is T.J. Watt. The Steelers believe he might have torn his pectoral muscle. This could be a situation. If it is a torn pec that has T.J. Watt out for the rest of the year, maybe he can come back in late December or January. But that's a big blow since he is the reigning defensive player of the year, Michael. Yeah, I think that's, you know, when you tear a pec, it's over. A pec, bicep, tricep on any any interior player, it's over. It's just impossible to come back from. To regain that strength in less than nine months, look, I'm not a doctor, but to regain that strength in less than nine months is is just bad. But, you know, I feel bad for Pittsburgh. But look, Pittsburgh's gritty. I mean, you know, and I know there was a report out on Sunday that that Mike's going to go with Trubisky, though. I don't know how much you can watch a Trubisky run this offense. I mean, I don't know how much you can watch it. It's you know, bad. and Najee Harris got hurt. He got now they say he's not that bad, but he got hurt. I mean, look, they played a double header on defense and come out the winner. Might have been a triple header. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it was unbelievable, <laughs> right? Triple header. It was unbelievable. Like you're just sitting there waiting for it, and you know, like I I didn't see this because I had the sound off. But when when Chase caught that ball at the one yard line, was that was that under two minutes? Could that have been reviewed? I believe it was supposed to be a booth review at that situation. Let me double check that one because I don't know why they wouldn't have looked at it because to me, it looked like a touchdown when he made that catch. So I think that was supposed to be a booth review, I believe. Yeah, I thought it was supposed to be a a booth review too when he got it down to the, you know, 
you know, what did he – I mean, I thought he almost scored on it, right? Yeah, because it got down to the one-yard line. But I think the problem, though, is that they went quickly. They ended up going quickly because they wanted to try to score there. Or I believe no, that I think this was a, a chance for them to challenge it. I think actually, I'm looking. Yeah, they, it was outside the two minutes, so Zach Taylor was supposed to challenge. It was outside. I'm looking yeah, at the play by play. So of course, Zach Taylor was like, "Let's sprint up to the one yard line instead of actually take a look at the the, the, the replay there." But they ended up turning the ball mm-hmm. over on downs. Well, that I mean, there they had the ball. To, there's another Zach Taylor. I mean, how much more is he going to cost you? Let's give him an extension. Why not? Let's give him another seven years extension because <laughs> he, he went to the Super. He Bowl. went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, this is a comedy. This is a comedy. Hmm. Uh, let's take a look at the AFC West showdown that we saw in Los Angeles, Michael. The Las Vegas Raiders losing to the Los Angeles Chargers 24-19 to was the final score there. What did you make of the Raiders here in Josh McDaniels' debut? Uh, unfortunately for, for Las Vegas, three Derek Carr interceptions, and that was probably the difference in this game. I mean, they, Carr didn't play well. You know, I, uh, Carr didn't play well in this context. Held on to the ball too long. He got sacked a bunch, but a lot of those sacks he held on to the football. Had Waller wide open on a touchdown, threw oh. it behind him on the first drive of the oh game. He just wasn't – he wasn't He wasn't accurate with the football. Uh, and I think to me, as I've said from the start, the Raiders have to play from in front. That, that's going to be the key for the Raiders. They, they need to play. They need to be able to utilize Max Crosby. They need to be able to use Chandler Jones, who really didn't play. You know, they only scored three points in the first half. They go into halftime down 17-3. You know, and then they've got a chance to get back in the game and cover, right? So it's 24-19. to 19. They line up to go for two. They get an offsides on the – they get an illegal holding penalty on, on, on the, the Chargers. They get the ball at the one-yard line, then they fall start. You know, if they get that there, then all of a sudden it's a different game. I thought Herbert was sensational. I mean, the ball rarely touched the ground. And the Raiders did exactly what they needed to do. They kept Mike Williams from making a big play. Right? They kept Mike Williams from making a big play. They had a chance in the fourth quarter to come back and, and, and win the game, and they couldn't do it. You know, they got the ball back in the fourth quarter, and they couldn't do it. It was one of those where, look, they just didn't play their best. They had every opportunity to, to do it. You know, they get they get he got sacked on the fourth and eight there with what just at the two minute warning, and then the Chargers were able to run out the clock. So, you know, they had that that with three thirty eight to go in the game, they're sitting there, they're they're down four, they're down five with a chance to win the game. That's all you could have asked for, right? I thought this game was going to come down to three points either way. That's why I like the Raiders in the three and a half. It should have because I thought it was going, you know. And, and it was just exactly kind of how it played out. It was going to be a high pace. I thought the under would have not hit. I thought it would have been, but the Raiders only scored three points in the first half. And a lot of that is because I just don't think Carr was as sharp as he needs to be. The interception when he was trying to target Hunter Renfro and he just threw the ball behind. Now, the Chargers ended up missing the field goal on the ensuing drive, but that just it chewed off about three and a half minutes, that Chargers drive. And that's a killer. You can't have those types of penalties or those types of mistakes, I should say, there with the three interceptions from Derek Carr. And he owned it after the game. He said that that was on me. I didn't play my best, and I got to be better for my team there as they lose it 24-19. to 19. Also, real quick note, Khalil Mack looked awesome. They're in the Chargers. He looked awesome. If him and Bosa are those two bookend rushers, this team is going to be tough to come I back on. I didn't see Bosa do much. I mean, Bosa did something. They ran that reverse early in the game, and it was kind of a messed up reverse. I think they had it wrong. But I didn't see Bosa. Like, I watched Nick Bosa, and he. I didn't see Bosa impact. A lot of those sacks, though, Femi, when you watch them, I mean, those were like coverage. Like, he should have got rid of the ball. Like, there's mm-hmm. a couple times. Like I, now, maybe, guys, I got to watch the tape today. I didn't see it. But I didn't see – maybe guys weren't open. Look, I, I think for the Raiders to win, Josh Jacobs can't have 10 carries. 
And I don't care. You know, Josh McDaniels probably sitting in his office today, only 13 carries for his running backs. I mean, he knows mm-hmm. he's got to run the ball. He's got to have better balance than that. And when you give, if you give Herbert the ball and you lose time of possession, you know, you're going to lose to the Chargers. You're going to lose to them. I mean, they had the ball 32 minutes, you had a 27. That's got to, if it's flipped, you win the game. If it's not, that you're going to lose because Herbert's too damn good. I mean, I mean, some of the throws he made, the, the second touchdown pass, he, I mean, the guy's covered and he just put the ball right in there. He's phenomenal. But let's take a quick break here, Michael. We'll get back with the Baker Bowl between the Panthers and the Browns. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code shuffle that's code shuffle for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia visit www.1800gambler.net in New York call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Michael, we saw the Cleveland Browns defeat the Carolina Panthers 26-24 in the Baker Mayfield Bowl. Jacoby Brissett, 18 of 34, 147 and a touchdown. Baker Mayfield for Carolina, 16 of 27, 235, a touchdown and an interception here. And this game Played out pretty much how I thought it would. Cleveland's the better roster. They won the football game. But what did you make of Baker Mayfield in his debut? I mean, he was really rough in the first half. He didn't play well at all. Their whole offense was rough in the first half. And they couldn't get their run game going. They couldn't get McCaffrey kind of into it. And they really looked poor. The first half was really a disaster. And at the end of the day, you know, that cost them. And the fact they couldn't stop Nick Chubb. I mean, you watch the tape. Nick Chubb, had, you know, they look like they're going to tackle Nick Chubb for a two-yard gain, and next thing you know, he's got five. You know, it looked like they're going to tackle him again, and he's got eight. You know, and, and the combination between Chubb and Hunt is so deadly. You know, they average 5.6 a game for the, car- for the game. I mean, Brissett, the thing Brissett didn't do is turn the ball over. He didn't really make any plays in the game. He didn't turn the ball. I thought Donovan Peoples-Jones was the best receiver on the field. Everybody keeps giving the Cowboys shit about losing Amari Cooper. Amari had three catches for 17 yards in the game. Like, Amari Cooper is one of those David Ogilvy players. He's got great PR, doesn't play great. You know, he's got he's a David Ogilvy guy. Put him in the David, put him on the all David Ogilvy team. That's what we're going to do at the end of the year is have the all David Ogilvy team because Amari. I mean, like seriously, when we they talked last night on NBC like they lost God. Oh, they lost Amari Cooper. Like seriously, Amari Cooper's the least of their problems. They got bigger issues on Dallas's offense than freaking Amari Cooper, who hates cold weather by the way. So like. Uh, you give them credit. They, 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 
Brissette didn't turn the ball over. But that formula that the Browns used in Carolina, it shouldn't have worked against Carolina. It did. Great field goal. That kid made an unbelievable kick. And the penalty on the on the penalty, which I thought was a disaster, was a bad call. You know, it was. I think where Brissett showed up most of everywhere where he couldn't make a play in the red zone. They're one for four in the red zone. That kept Carolina in the game. It kept Carolina in the game. And Carolina's got to get better. I mean, Baker's got to be better. He can't have – I've always said this about Baker, and this is why I didn't think he was the first overall pick in the draft. Too many balls get batted down at the line of scrimmage. He averages six a game. You can't, when the defense gets their hands on six balls, you, you can't. And – He's got to have better pocket awareness. He's got to be able to slide and move like Breeze did because his height becomes an issue. I mean, here's the thing. The Browns have the ball 38 minutes in this game, fam, and it comes down to the last kick. I mean, it should have been as close as it was, and Carolina had a chance to win it at the end. But that's because when you don't make plays in the passing game, Mm -hmm. the games are always going to be close. Jacoby Brissett, his job is just to be not screwing it up. Maybe he can make some plays, but I don't see him being a playmaking quarterback as long as he doesn't turn the football over, I think this Cleveland team will be in games, but that's probably what's going to swing the pendulum when they play some of these better teams down the line is that they're going to actually need him to make plays, and I'm afraid he's not going to be able to do it. The Miami Dolphins defeated the New England Patriots 20-7. to I thought outside of the turnovers, this was a pretty evenly played game here. Is that Was, was that your read when you went back and watched the tape? Yeah, I, I thought so too. I mean, look, you know, I know Tua has great numbers, and, you're, and uh, people are going to say, well, you're just a Tua hater. Look, I mean <laughs> – Tyreek Hill makes an unbelievable play on the. Uh, he intercepted the ball away from yeah. the the corner back there. You know it was a hell of a play and, and to a you know the throw he makes inside to uh, Waddle was a great throw and a great throw and catch. It to me was the same thing. You know it's th- it's yards after catch and New England didn't do a good enough job of rushing him inside. They did a great job of taking away the run. I mean Edmonds averaged two one a carry. The the problem that New England is they t- they keep turning the ball over every time they play him. I mean, the la- you know, going into that game before, they had four turnovers in, in the last time they played them. In this game, they had three. They throw interceptions, red zone interception. They get and Miami scored thirteen points with their defense. Credit them. I mean, you know, credit them. Mac Jones looked like his back was hurting him in the game. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. He didn't look like he had any juice on the football at all. He didn't look like he could drive the ball. And when the Patriots don't have are not able to really run the ball effectively. I thought Najee, I thought, excuse me, uh, Damian Harris was, but they, they really couldn't get into rhythm, and they play from behind. You play from behind in the NFL, down there in that heat and humidity, it's hard to get back into the game. I thought they were going to get back in the game in the second half, but it never manifested itself. And, you know, they're going to have to fix this. You know, people are going to say, well, they're off at, look, they got to fix the mistakes. They're making too many mistakes. You know, when you look at the drive chart, right, so – you know, New England had the ball for nine drives, okay? Three of the drives, and, and that counts the end of the half drive, okay? That was one play. So they had it eight drives. In those eight drives, they turned the ball over three times. The last, in the fourth quarter, they turn it over on downs and fumble. They punt, turn it over on downs. They did not have a three and out drive the whole game. They did not. Now, they fumbled. First drive of the game, they go eight plays, interception. Second drive, they go eight plays, and, and they got to punt the ball. You know, and then they fumble again. Then they fumble, that, and then they fu- then they fumble in the mm-hmm. last play. So they have nobody to blame but themselves in this one. Literally, they don't. I mean, they lost it. Give credit to, give credit to the Miami Dolphins. But it, can Miami beat elite teams going this forward? We shall see. Any update on uh, Max back? He, he wasn't able to talk to the reporters, so – 
it's clearly something. I don't know what the extent of it is, but what's the latest on I, that? I, I haven't I haven't heard, but I can only say from watching the game, he <clears throat> it looked like he didn't have a lot on the ball. Could he have a stress mm-hmm. fracture in his back? I don't know. You know, I don't know. But he got hit, and I think ultimately it, it looked like he was playing injured to me because he wasn't playing with the same zip on the football that I thought he needed to have. Well, how about fly eagles fly, Michael? I don't, I don't know what oh. the uh, I don't know what the temperature is out there in Ocean City and that area there. But fly eagles fly. They defeat the Detroit Lions thirty-eight to thirty-five. They were covering the whole game, damn near, and then they let the Lions uh, backdoor that one. That pissed me off a little bit as someone who laid the points. Me but off too. but what did you make of the Eagles' offense in particular, putting up thirty-eight points? I, I thought the Eagles' offense is exactly what we think it is. It's 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 the Oklahoma offense. Hertz has seventeen carries for ninety yards in the game. When it when he has to throw the ball effectively, it's not. He made a couple. Th- he made a throw down the field to a- to AJ Brown. But mm-hmm. those throws on those nine routes are not read throws. Those are just we're going to throw it here. They're not read throws. And then I think you got to be if you're an Eagle fan, you know the, the you gave up a ton of yards. You couldn't get yeah, off the that- field on third down. You know you couldn't get off the field on third down. You gave up. You know the Jared Goff threw you one. But other than that, I mean. You know, I don't. You, you you were horrible in the red zone. The Lions were four for four in the red zone. Think about that. Get, you got to be concerned about it, right? Can we stop the Jonathan Gannon head coach hype stuff? No, you're not. He's, Jonathan Gannon could be the defense coordinator for the David Ogilvy tree. You can't. He's I mean, brilliant. Don't you understand God. this? When you get labeled brilliant in the <laughs> NFL, no matter nobody looks at the stats. He's a brilliant young coach. Just let him be brilliant, please. <laughs> I don't know why you're getting upset with this. This is the whole NFL. You get labeled something. Kellen Moore's a brilliant offensive coordinator. I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah, oh, this yeah, is I'm aware. why David Ogilvie should – this is why – I mean, it's, it's advertisement. Like, show me one tape that, that – that, I kept saying this all offseason. The Eagle defense, when they played good quarterbacks, on, the ball was only on the ground 36 times. Six mm-hmm. games, 36 times. You know? That, I, I would not call Jared Goff a great quarterback. I hate to I break the either. news to you. Now yeah. there's some. Now there's some people in, the, in in this that you know that think he's great. There were some people that thought he was well deserving of the first round pick. I got my ass ripped, you know, on by all those people at the Rams and by the worldwide leaders commentators. You know, oh, he don't know what he's talking about. Okay, you know, how's that working out for you? I mean, <laughs> if they played against a good quarterback yesterday, I mean, Goff had Goff had 16 incomplete passes. I mean, through one, he threw a pick six to them. Yeah, this Gannon thing to me is just absolutely it's it's ridiculous because the, that defense gets lit on fire and now you can't blame there's so many talented players on that defense this is a situation that where I think it's just the the scheme the scheme is too vanilla and these defenses the offenses I should say they know exactly what to do with it what did you make of the Lions though are they a little bit better than you thought going into the season here no I, I think they, they they're not very good on defense oh they're horrible I mean, they're not very good they're on, horrible on defense you know and, and and they didn't play against a legitimate passing quarterback. You know, which is going to be a bigger problem. They played against a team, which concerns you is they, the Eagles ran the ball 47 times the last time they played them for over 200 yards. So you had all off season to say, how are we going to defend their run game? And, and they, they ran for another 200-yard day. <laughs> I mean, the Lions are a draft away defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really, they really need a lot of help there. But it's year two of what's probably a three- to four-year rebuild over there in the Motor City. Let's motor into our next segment. But first, we've got to take a break here, Michael. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. All right, Michael, before we get out of here, we have one more game to break down from Sunday. That was the NFC North showdown between the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings get the win 23-7. to 
Packers offense struggles. Vikings offense early on especially looked really good. Justin Jefferson, the hype is real with the 150-yard performance in the first half and two touchdowns as Kevin O'Connell gets win number one in his early coaching career. You know what was fascinating about yesterday? We have 10 new coaches, right? Five first-time head coaches, five second-time head coaches. The four first-time head coaches that played yesterday all won, which is a rare, rare thing, right? You know, and the the second-time coaches, other than Todd Bowles, everyone else lost. So credit to Kevin O'Connell. He took over – I thought he took over a good team. I like the Vikings on the over total because I think their offense is good, and I felt like they're going to be improved defensively. And look – I'm just going to look at my text here because, you know, the Big Daddy negative oh, text Oh, yeah, started, what, did the, what did Big Daddy say? It started say? so freaking early. Like, <laughs> let me see what time it started. What, what, you was know, it, was like, it with the Christian Watson dropped touchdown or, or when did it start? Yeah. It, <laughs> uh, it, it, this game, you know, the Green Bay game start, at, at 107, so far this Green Bay game is laughable. I mean – I mean, he's just already, you know, I guess the draw, he, you know, it, I, this one, I think people will love this one. The, the Dylan, you know, when they ran for it on fourth down and, uh-huh. and Dylan got stopped at the goal line, this is what, this is the great text of all time. The Dylan call the Vikings saw coming a mile away. La fuck fooled no one. I love it. It's a, <laughs> La fuck fooled no one. It's, it was an, another rocky week one for the Packers, who did this last year as well, by the way, yep. losing to the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I keep, I'm keeping track of this for the book, for the for my breakdowns, and I mean, it's pretty clear. Bad. Some coaches just don't know how to get a team ready for opening day. Andy Reid does. Shocking. He played his guys, and his execution was magnificent, right, mm-hmm. against Arizona. Kingsbury was good last year. He wasn't so good this year. He didn't play his guys as much this year. We, you know, so and he's got a lot of guys hurt too. In fairness to Kingsbury, but I think what you saw was, you know, the, this Packer team. Just wasn't in any kind of rhythm. LaFleur, according to Big Daddy, you know, I, I mean, he didn't fool anybody, nor does he, is he able to get his team ready to play on opening day. I mean, that's pretty, I think two, two sample sizes here are pretty good. And, you know, we were all over, Patrick and I on the show, uh, we're all over Minnesota. And that line, Femi, moved from Minnesota to, from a dog to Minnesota to mm-hmm. the favorite, partly because of the injuries to the Packers offensive line. Yeah, and I think that played a big factor into it because we saw Zadarius Smith now with the Vikings and Daniil Hunter, those guys getting some pressure on Rodgers because he was without David Bakhtiari on the left side and Elgin Jenkins on the right side. So I think once they get that offensive line squared away, but the receiver situation, and, and though, is, is needs the to one come that's... Back. Yes. Les, you know, they missed Lassard, too, so that hurt him. And then, you know, what, what, like we said on the show, when Sammy Watkins is your number one receiver, oh you don't have a number one receiver. I mean, like, seriously, is there ever... You talk about a David Ogilvy guy. This guy keeps making money, like, left and right. You know? It's like he keeps getting signed like he's still the eighth pick or ninth pick overall in the draft. It's, like, ridiculous. Like, everybody keeps thinking he's going to turn it around. I, I don't get it. Past performance predicts future achievement. So, look, you know, I... I well, Rodgers well, took a beat. Yeah, I want to I want to play this clip for you, Michael, here from Aaron Rodgers, because he's talking about yeah. these wide receivers and the job that they did not get done yesterday in the loss of the Vikings. We got to have patience with those guys. They're young. You know, they haven't been in the in the fire. Um, now that patience will be thinner as the season goes on, but uh, the expectation will be high. So we'll keep them accountable, but it's going to happen. It's going to be drops. Hate to see it on the first play, but there's, it's a part of it. It's going to be drops throughout the season. 
C-Dub catches that one, 75-yard touchdown. If I pull the one on the goal line, I walk in for a touchdown. There's 14 points. Let's see, 23-7. Yeah, so we would have been right in it. For the viewing audience right. on YouTube, that little smirk at the end just gets me there. But he's right. I mean, the Christian Watson drop really set the tone for this entire game. That's the first play of their season. He drops a dime right in his hands. He walks into the end zone. The rookie drops it. Look, Jerry Rice had nine drops as a rookie. It happens. I mean, it just happens. I mean, it doesn't mean he's a bad Look at Jamar Chase last year during the preseason. Couldn't yeah. catch a cold. I mean, just uh, Aaron's completely right. It's going to, you know, I like how he's addressing it as we. He's like coaching the team. You know, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get this shit straightened out here, you know? And, and look, credit Minnesota's – Ed Donatel did a great job defensively. You know, he's, he's Minnesota played better. Cousins did exactly what Cousins does. He's, you know, he throws completions. Jefferson was open. You know, made the throws, big-time throws. Cook ran the ball well. They got Madison to get eight carries in there. Like, here's what I don't understand. If Dalvin Cook – can be involved on third down, can carry the ball 20 times. How come Joe Mixon has to has to sub out for for Sammy Perrine? Like s- explain that to me. Well, well, Mixon's not a part of their uh, their their nickel stuff. There's not their That's right. Don't put him on the field on third down <laughs> yeah, cuz Zach Taylor doesn't want him on the field on third down. <laughs> don't put him on the field. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> Before- Zach Taylor's like I'm telling you if Zach Taylor worked for Al Davis, he would have not he would have gotten fired after the Super Bowl. He would have never got an extension. <laughs> I'm not sure he would have made it. Never got an extension. <laughs> he would have never made it through yesterday. He would have been Scott Frost yesterday. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pour one out for our buddy Scott Frost getting fired by Nebraska. Um, but, Michael, let's get to the awards because this is something that we do here on the GM Shuffle podcast. During the offseason, yeah. we didn't hand them out, but we're week one. Let's get to the awards. And the first one on the lamb, and you want to give it to who? I, I just think, to me, if you're going to save Trey Lance's career, and you've invested this much into him, right? If you've invested this much into him, you need to put him on. He's going to lose his confidence, right? Like, it's hard for this kid. Like, you're going to lose the kid because the pressure is going to continue to mount. It's going to continue to mount on him. It's not fair. If you kept the guy behind him who won for you, who's won 31 games and in in 31-14, and 14, if you've kept him, why not just let it keep going? Like, why are we in such a rush? You're going to lose this kid, I'm just telling you. I don't know if he's a good player. Right now, I don't think he's a good player. Like I don't, but there's not enough sample size, mm-hmm. you know. I think to me, let him go on the lamb a little bit. Like let's get this so we can have some and build it. I think that's what I would do. The Fred Palermo best game plan of the week, Michael. Who are you giving this one to? Well, Fred's 96. God bless him. He's still ticking. He's still doing good. I, I think Pittsburgh did a great job. I mean, they didn't lose the game. They turned the ball over. They created turnovers. They overcame a horrendous offensive performance by their offense. But, you know, they go into Cincinnati. They were a six-and-a-half-point dog to open the week. By the end of the week, they were a seven-and-a-half-point. Everybody was saying, you know, we people are disrespecting the Bengals. You know, no, people are disrespecting Mike Tomlin. Let's put that in perspective. A good head coach can figure out a way to win a game. If you don't know, now you know. And this one probably cuts deep, near, to, near and dear to my heart. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, look, Dallas is fucked. I mean, let's face it, right? Yeah. I mean, where are they going? Cooper Rush? I mean, you know, this isn't a 1-800 number you can call to get a quarterback. Like, okay, yeah, I got a blue-chip quarterback sitting over here. Just bring him on in. I mean, you got no, you're going to have a harder time running the football. You have receivers that are having a hard time winning on the outside. It's going to become a tougher game each week to try to manufacture points. And then are you as good as you think you are on defense? You know, 
Like, are you as good? You know, we were talking about how the Bucks were, you know, they, they weren't as good in the offensive line. They weren't as good at receiver. Other, really, where they weren't as good is they weren't as good at, at the uh, at the uh, at the execution the, in the, the red, red zone. zone. That's yeah. the only area they weren't. Well, Dallas will have uh, Joe Burrow and a pretty angry Bengals team coming to town this Sunday, so I'm sure that'll go well. And the final award, this is a new one here, Michael, on the GM Shuffle, the David Ogilvie Award. <laughs> Who's yeah, going to win the inaugural David Ogilvie Award? Did anybody listen to what Robert Salai said after the game? <laughs> did anybody listen to this fucking guy? <laughs> you sent it to Stephen and I. <laughs> I mean, did anybody listen to this comment? Like, he's coaching in New York City. It's the big fucking apple. Like, there is no, like, nobody wants an excuse. Nobody's, you know, you're not getting, we're not, you're not coaching in California Little League where everybody gets to play right field, where nobody cares about who wins. You know, everybody's going to play. We're all going to have a nice time. We're going to go to Dairy Queen after the game. We're all going to have a bite. You know, everybody's going to come together. We'll hold hands. What is he talking about? Kumbaya. I watched the game. I watched the game this morning. Like, like at some point, I mean, the Baltimore was ripe to be beaten. They didn't play great. Baltimore's offense to me still looks bad. But at the end of the day, they couldn't block on third. They converted one third down. Mike LaFleur is the offensive coordinator. I got a sick big daddy on him too. Like they couldn't convert a third down. They couldn't really make up all this talent that they had. They couldn't make a play. I mean, the Jets are the very most talented team. To me, I, I, at some point, you know, I've wondered how he got the job. He went to all those interviews and nobody hired him other than the Jets, which makes all the sense in the world. Well, he runs stairs before the game, so that's cool. Uh, before, yeah, that's right. <laughs> before we get out of here, though, Michael, we got a game tonight. This one's going to be fun. It's Russell Wilson, the Denver Broncos, going to Seattle. Will Russ cook this evening in the Pacific Northwest? His old kitchen there over the last decade. Right now, our show sponsor, DraftKings, they have the Broncos six-and-a-half-point favorites with a total of 43-and-a-half. I lean towards taking the uh, the points at home with Seattle, just from what I saw this weekend. If Seattle doesn't turn the ball over, and and if Russ doesn't run, I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. If Russ is running, right, if he's going to be willing to run around and make loose plays, and how does he look athletically? You know, they know who Russ is in Seattle. They should be able to game plan against what he can do. So I think that. The other thing I want to make it really cl- clear, everybody keeps asking me, where are my picks? Where are my picks? Okay. Mm-hmm. My picks are going to be, if you're a VEASAN subscriber, they're going to be on VEASAN, the daily email. So you have to get them there. I'm not going to post them during the week. If you watch the Lombardi line, I'll certainly give them out. And then Sunday, they'll be in that newsletter. You've got to be a VEASAN subscriber to get that. So uh, that's how it's all going to go down. I'm not I, odds on Lombardi no longer will exist because I don't need to do that anymore. I work for Veasan full time now. So uh, if you want my picks Sunday morning, look at the e- get the email, sign up for Veasan. You'll see them in there once the week gets going. Yeah. And I and I had four yesterday. I had uh, I had four. I had Pittsburgh. I lost Arizona. I had Pittsburgh, Chicago, and uh, who else did I have? Femi. I had Pittsburgh, Chicago. And, uh, that, uh, that's a good question. Um, I had the, I, I didn't even give the Giants out, and I liked the oh, Giants all week. I had, I had Houston, Chicago, Pittsburgh, and Arizona. There you go. And we had, so, we, had, we had a lot of people, a lot of listeners who, uh, thank you for listening, by the way, that were curious about where your picks were. So you heard it there from Michael. His picks will be on the VEASAN Pro, the newsletter there. So make sure to find that and subscribe to that. But that does it for this week's episode, Michael. It was a lot of fun reacting to Sunday's version of Week 1. Thank you to our producer, Stephen Bond. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to you. And we'll talk to you on Thursday where we turn the page I can't to wait, two. Femi. I can't wait. I can't wait. I feel bad for all you Survivor people. I feel bad. Half the contest is gone. I feel bad. I don't feel bad. I took the Eagles. Let's go. All right. All right. Let's go. I'll talk to you Thursday, buddy. Subscribe, rate, and review. As always, we'll see you guys then.